Welcome to the Love Reimagined Podcast. If you're tired of hearing about a God who is supposedly represented perfectly through Jesus, but is less kind than you, your grandma, and even Hitler, this podcast is for you. We welcome you to join Joe Chadburn, that's me, and friends as we reimagine Father through the perfect lens of Christ. Now, we occasionally tip a few sacred cows, but be assured that no members of the bovine species were harmed during the recording of this episode you are about to enjoy. Hi, friends, it's Joe. I want to talk about Black Lives Matter, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, things that, stupid things that white people say when a cop murders a black person and other topics throughout this video. Now, don't be turned off right away. Uh, I think this is something that everyone needs to hear. I'm not, uh, I'm not speaking this condescendingly. Uh, this is not virtue signaling. Uh, this is just something that I believe needs to be said. And the older I get, the more I realize my own mortality and what I say matters, um, even if it just matters to a few. If I'm just a little drop that's hitting a rock, uh, along with a lot of other drops, you know, I believe that we together can make a difference. That's why I do my, my little part. I don't think I'm anything uh, super special or extraordinary. Um, I just have a mouth that God gave me and a heart that he gave me. And when, when I believe that, uh, that something is just the right thing to do, the right thing to say, uh, I'm going to say it when I need to say it uh, regardless. And so that brings this video about. And um, I do want to say this. I don't know what it is like to be black, okay? But I do know what it is like to be loved unconditionally by black people. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh about uh, my history and my and my present, about my life, uh, and just how the black community has has loved me and my family so so very much. So this is this is not something. There's so many black people who can articulate what I am going to try to say so much better. And, and uh, I, I just want you to know, I'm just doing what I can with what I know and what I believe to be true and I'm just standing in solidarity with you and standing with you um, in love during this time and always uh, I'm your brother regardless of the color uh, of this earth suit I am your brother regardless of what uh, of what color you you are uh, I'm not ashamed to be white nor am I proud to be white I had nothing to do with it <laughs> actually okay uh, just like being uh, American okay I was just uh, you know <laughs> Alan and Natalie Chadburn uh, had a wonderful night one night uh, and you know uh, prior to um, March 1966 you know nine months before that, uh, and I happened to come forth, uh, you know, in a hospital in Massachusetts, uh, none of my own doing, okay? I didn't climb Mount Everest to do it. I didn't do anything to become American, nor did I do anything to become white, but I am whatever I am, uh, and I'm here, and, uh, and here to love, and uh, here to share uh, this evening with you. Um, so please, please hear my heart. Uh, I am wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I'm going to show it to you. And I really like it, and I'm not ashamed to wear it. Uh, 
in public. Uh, it's a slogan that I stand by. And uh, let me tell you what this shirt doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean that all lives don't matter. It doesn't mean that white lives matter less. It doesn't mean I'm a Marxist. It doesn't mean that I'm an anarchist. It doesn't mean that, uh, that the lives of those in law enforcement don't matter or that I want to abolish the police, okay? All that I, I think that all police are bad. I'm very thankful uh, for those in law enforcement. Uh, my father, my late father, uh, was a police officer in Barrington, Rhode Island. Um, and, uh, and I have, you know, people, um, you know, I won't name names. I don't know if they want to be affiliated with me uh, right now. But there are pe wonderful people that I went to high school with uh, who are in law enforcement and friends along the way who, uh, who are in law enforcement that are, that are wonderful people. And, uh, and I love them dearly. And I appreciate uh, what they do, you know, because um, so many of them do put their, their lives on the line each uh, each and every day, and many of them do it to serve, and so many of them are underpaid and underappreciated. So I, I do want to uh, to start out by saying that. Now, let me tell you about um, my background a little bit. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter to me all over the planet. I have friends. This isn't just Facebook. This isn't fake. This is from you know travel to Africa throughout the years. Uh, I have friends in every sub-Saharan African nation. I've rubbed elbows with people eaten with people. I've, uh, man, just, just preached and, and taught and just been blessed with so many experiences, you know, um, on the continent of Africa. And uh, not that I was the, the great white hope bringing something super special. Uh, every trip I've ever taken to Africa, I've always come back uh, richer than, than I went there, you know, and, and I felt like uh, they gave me far more uh, than I ever had to uh, to offer anybody on the continent of Africa, just very spiritually rich, rich in the word. And um, yeah, I, I could tell you so many wonderful stories of signs, wonders, miracles, stuff that looks like, I mean, right out of the book of Acts, you know, and just just beautiful what uh, what's happened. And, you know, when I was in uh, Uganda, especially for uh, for three weeks with my father-in-law, we had a wonderful time. Um, and, you know, they let me know, hey, this, you know, this happens all the time here. We just have you here to just be a joint of supply and, you know, share the, uh, you know, what, uh, what the Holy Spirit's taught you and what you've learned and, uh, you know, to add to what we have. And of course, they added to, uh, to what I, you know, had at the time, uh, which was so much less than what, uh, you know, what I have now, but just so thankful for all uh, of the opportunities, you know, to, uh, to love people and, and to know people in Africa. Black Lives Matter all over the world and black people are mistreated uh, all over the world. That's something else you need to know. This is not just an American uh, phenomenon. So this is something that, uh, that you really need to, you know, some places way more than others, but nevertheless, we need to, we always need to look out for our, for our brothers and sisters, regardless of, uh, of the color of their skin. Also blessed with ministering uh, in Jamaica. Matter of fact, I've never taken a ministry trip to a place that was predominantly white, you know, and it's not because I wanted to go and, you know, uh, teach the black man anything. It's just my heart was just, just drawn, you know, to, uh, to the people of these nations 
and, uh, and the culture and just be able to, to learn from them and to love them, to eat with them, feast with them, uh, just get to know them. So just, just really cool stuff. I got to, um, when I was in Bible college, which means I had a good friend, his name was James Green, just wonderful, wonderful man. And um, he and I, he was from Southeast Washington, DC. So there are a couple summers, we, he, took me, he took me home. And uh, I was like the only, one of the only white people for, for quite a ways, you know, um, in, the, in Southeast Washington, DC. And people just embraced me so uh, beautifully. It was, uh, it was wonderful. And this is even, this is during the time of, you know, Louis Farrakhan was, was preaching down there during those, those summers. And um, it, everybody just, I, I can't tell you anybody who, who, uh, who, who didn't treat me like, uh, like their brother, you know, um, even with my awkward moves when we we're, you know, playing basketball and, and doing various things. And, uh, but they just, just loved on me. And uh, it was so, just so special. I can, t I can tell you that. Talk about awkward moves. My friends from God City Refuge in Newport, North Carolina will tell you about, uh, yeah, about me breakdancing at a church gala. And uh, yeah, someone evidently still has that on video. And I hope that never breaks out to the internet, but I was much younger back then. But yeah, breakdancing at a, at a church uh, event. <laughs> so yeah, you know, just ministered and, and done so many things, you know, with, with, uh, again, in, in DC, that was with youth. We were ministering to youth in the city and then we'd take them to, uh, to camps in West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And some of these kids from the inner city had like never seen cows and stuff and to see their eyes light up and they just, man, they just, they just loved it. And to love on these kids and man, to, to hug them and, and just to be there, just to be a, a, a big brother to them, uh, was just a very, very cool situation. Um, and there were different athletes and, and, and ones that would come and speak uh, from the, the D.C. area. It was just really neat. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't speak again about my friends at uh, God City Refuge. I was an elder at this church in Newport, North Carolina, not far from the Outer Banks, just to give you a reference point. Uh, and just, just wonderful people out there. And Newport's near Moorhead City, Beaufort, uh, Havelock, Harlow. Uh, I will not forget North River for all my, my friends out there. And if I forget any, anywhere else, Cape Carteret. And just, just, that, uh, that, entire, um, just that, that entire region of Eastern North Carolina. Um, just, just so many uh, precious people that I had a relationship with. But uh, my wife and I, we were, we, there was this, this opportunity to, uh, to pastor this, this church. And so this church was on the same road, okay, as, um, as this other church. And it was called God City Refuge. And we just, I just kind of felt something in my heart, like, let's, let's just go over there. Let's just go visit, you know. And so long story short, we ended up never starting that church. I had pastored churches. I've been the senior pastor of churches, you know. And now I'm a house church guy, so I'm like not, I'm kind of, a, yeah out of the, uh, out of the loop with a lot of the, a lot of the church stuff. But um, at any rate, we went to, to this church and it's a predominantly, I mean, you know, black church and it was so beautiful. It was wonderful. People embraced us. They recognized the call of God in our lives. And, uh, 
you know, here I was 27 years old and they had, you know, had let me share and preach and teach and do things. And I, I, you know, I knew so much less, you know, of experience and life and revelation and didn't know Jesus, you know, like, like most of them, the greater percentage, uh, the huge percentage did, but, but they welcomed me and my wife. And then, uh, you know, my children, when they were, they were born and, um, just, just so wonderful. And, uh, you know, they're my brothers and sisters uh, to this day. We have such wonderful relationship. And, uh, and I can tell you, so I'm talking from a perspective, not just, you know, not as some white virtue signaler or someone who's just, you know, just, just trying to be a shot jock on, uh, on YouTube or whatever. Um, this is my heart. I've spoken to, I have, I have too many black friends who have uh, been arrested, been beaten, been verbally abused, called the N-word for doing nothing more than walking while black, okay, by police, um, or driving while black. They've been, you know, racially profiled and beaten and mistreated. And I've heard this story over and over and over so many times. I don't, this is before uh, all these internet videos came out, okay? We don't have more racism now, we just have more cameras, okay? And again, this isn't a knock on, uh, on all police. Uh, my late father was, was a police officer. And, uh, and so I, I, don't, uh, I don't hate police, I don't hate anybody, okay? I just want justice for all. I just want love for all. I just want my black brothers and sisters to, uh, to be treated uh, just like I am when I drive down the road, okay? Um, or when I walk down the road, or if I'm walking and just taking a walk in a neighborhood uh, that looks like I don't belong in with my raggedy t-shirt and my cargo shorts and my New Balance shoes that I wear, you know, or what I, I get a pass on that, okay? I'm, you know, I'm almost 55, so I can, I can wear that stuff. But these cargo shorts come in handy during COVID because you can put your mask, you can put your hand sanitizer. I got places to put COVID stuff. So stop knocking the, the cargo shorts, okay? I even like the John Cena jean shorts too. I'd like for them to come back. And 80s big hair for the ladies too. I, I, I like that too. But, uh, but at any rate, let's not, get, let's not go down any more rabbit trails. But I just, I just do want to say my, my heart um, really breaks for, for people when, uh, for my black brothers and sisters, when, when I see white people just, just knock, when somebody says black lives matter, and then someone says something and it, and it makes it sound like, uh, no, you don't. You know, or they make them feel that way, okay? And uh, black people make up uh, the statistics about 14% of the American population, the population of the United States. And that includes, uh, you know, um, multiracial uh, people of African-American descent, only 14%. So we need, to, we need to look out for people. We need to love people, especially given the history. And I'm going to talk about some history, okay? Because things matter, okay? Where we are today uh, versus where our ancestors were, you know, it matters. Uh, what happened to them does have, there is a trickle domino effect for many, okay? Um, look at President Trump for that matter, okay? 
um, you know, the genius that he is if his daddy didn't give him the money, okay? Um, you know, he could, he could be in a, in, in a horrible situation right now, just, you know, living somewhere, uh, you know, uh, destitute and, uh, and impoverished. We, you don't know. You know, we, we don't know. But what, what we do know, history, we do know that things that happened basically yesterday, okay, and even if it's 100 years ago, it, it still affects people generationally and certain because, because, because wealth is passed down or not passed down. Education can be passed down or not passed down. There's, there, there's so many things, you know, um, like that. And this is important and, and opportunities and everything else. So what happens to a previous generation does affect the next one and can affect, you know, subsequent generations if, you know, serious reform doesn't happen. Okay. And I'm not saying that that reform hasn't happened, but I'm saying I am not satisfied with what I see in 2020 and no decent person, regardless of what color they are, should, you know, be satisfied. Okay. Or, or to be said, well, it's so much better than it was. And we've come a long way and this, that, and the other. Well, you're not empathizing. You're not showing compassion. You're not showing love. You're not uh, putting yourself in, in people's place. Now let's, let's talk about, and, and don't let me lose you here because the first date I'm going to give you, you're going to say that's ancient history, but I'm going to get to some stuff right around my birthday and beyond. Okay. So if you think this is ancient history, you're calling me old. Okay. I was born in 1966. And I won't take kindly to that, but I'm a peacemaker. I'm going to love you anyhow. But Here's, here's, here's some history. January 1st, 1863, you have the Emancipation Proclamation. That, my friends, is not that long ago. 1870, a Virginia law made it illegal for black and white children to attend the same schools. You say, well, that's a long time ago. All right. 1882. In 1882, at least 49 blacks were lynched. According to Tuskegee Institute data, 3,438 blacks were lynched between the years 1882 and 1951. Okay, October 15th, 1883, the United States Supreme Court ruled in civil rights cases of 1833 that the Civil Rights Act of 1875 was unconstitutional. The court ruled that the 14th Amendment prohibited states, but not citizens, from discriminating. This civil rights reversal was devastating for African Americans. 1908 to nine, nine, 1890 rather to 1908. Not that long ago. Some of our grandparents, great grandparents, okay, we're not talking <laughs> about it being that long ago, all right? Southern states adopted new constitutions and voting laws designed to disenfranchise black voters. All right. 1892, Ida B. Wells began writing articles and campaigning against lynching. At least 161 blacks were lynched in 1892, probably the highest number in a single year. 1913 to 1921, Woodrow Wilson institutionalized segregation. This is 1921. Okay. Uh, segregation in the federal civil service. By the end of World War I, the District of Columbia was thoroughly segregated as well. There's a story behind that. That's 1921. That's less than 100 years ago. So someone, of course, who's living right now, who's 100 years or older, uh, 
This is not ancient history, people, okay? This affects people today. 1914, every Southern state and many Northern cities had Jim Crow laws that discriminated against Black Americans. In July of 1917, at least 40 Blacks were attacked and killed during a race riot in East St. Louis, Illinois. Three weeks later, some 10,000 Blacks participated in a silent march down Fifth Avenue in New York City to protest racial oppression, especially riots directed against Black communities. 1919, many whites resentful of Black demands for equality attacked Blacks. Chicago, Houston, Little Rock, Harlem, Washington, D.C., New York, Baltimore, New Orleans, and many other cities had outbreaks of rioting as whites attacked Blacks throughout the United States. This period is called the Red Summer. 1920, okay, 100 years ago. This, this, is, this is, I mean, this is America the Great, okay? Uh, this is only 100 years ago. The 19th Amendment, okay, <laughs> to the United States Constitution was ratified, giving women the right to vote, all right? We've not progressed all that much. We've not evolved, okay? I mean, things have happened. I mean, wonderful things have happened, but there's still issues. There's still things that need to be dealt with. And sometimes we act like this stuff happened in, uh, you know, during the Roman Empire and just get over it. But, but no, <laughs> 1925, the Ku Klux Klan had 3 million members during its heyday in the early 1920s. Roughly half its members lived in metropolitan areas, and although it enjoyed considerable support in the South, the Klan was strongest in the Midwest and Southwest. On August 8th, 1925, 35,000 members of the Klan marched down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. That's 1925, not very long ago get this, 1955. Now, if you think this is ancient history, this is only 11 years before I was born. So check yourself here, okay? The Maryland legislature passed a law that imprisoned any white woman who birthed a mixed race child. The white woman would be incarcerated up to five years. The law was renewed in 1957. So think about that. 1955, all right? And this is, this, is, this is crazy. Yeah, you may need to rewind that and listen to it again. 1956, an Alabama law barred blacks and whites from playing cards, dominoes, checkers, pool, football, baseball, basketball, or golf together. A North Carolina law required factories and plants to maintain separate bathrooms for black employees. A Louisiana law mandated that movie theaters and all public entertainment uh, separate white and black patrons. 1958, the Virginia legislator voted to close any school that enrolled both black and white students. This is just yesterday. There are people that I know personally who were subject to this type of thing. There are people that I know personally who were subject to not being able to drink out of the same uh, water fountain 
as white people, okay? There are people that I know, okay, who were persecuted for nothing, nothing else beside their skin color and were, were told to sit at the back of the bus, okay? Uh, there were people who were told that they weren't even full human beings, okay? And that's even by religious institutions who just, just recently, one of them that I won't name, uh, finally, you know, admitted that, yeah, black people have souls, okay? Yeah, a predominantly white institution at that with a, uh, with a pretty uh, popular Bible college. So, yeah, some bad stuff. 1959, okay? And Arkansas law required all state buses to designate white-only seating areas, all right? Martin Luther King Jr. assassinated April 4th, 1968, okay, in Memphis, Tennessee not even a month after my second birthday, okay? Now, I'm 100% for peaceful protests, okay? I'm nonviolent, but I'm telling you, I can empathize with the frustration of people who say, what's the use, okay? Um, it's, they're like, they don't understand peace, so let's give them war, can, can be the mindset. Uh, when, you've, when you've hurt people so bad and they feel so broken and they feel like there's no way out, uh, th this, is, this is very dangerous, and human beings, no human being should be treated like this, and we really need to be our brother's keeper, regardless of what, what color, okay, and our sister's keeper, regardless of the color of their skin. Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. He's saying, they're my brothers, okay? How are you doing them, All right? Really important. Now, let's talk about redlining for a minute, okay? That's redlining. All right, now this is from Investopedia. So I'm, I'm reading this verbatim, uh, the history of redlining. The term redlining was coined by sociologist John McKnight in the 1960s and derives from how the federal government and lenders would literally draw a red line on a map around the neighborhoods they would not invest in based on demographics alone. Black inner city neighborhoods were most likely to be redlined. Investigations found that lenders would make loans to lower income whites, but not to middle or upper income African Americans. Okay. Indeed, in the 1930s, the federal government began redlining real estate, marketing, risky neighborhoods for federal mortgage loans on the basis of race. The result of this redlining in real estate could still be felt decades later. In 1996, homes in redlined neighborhoods were worth less than half that of the homes in what the government had deemed as best for mortgage lending. And that disparity has only grown greater in the last two decades. So this is, this is something, how things are passed down, how, how things that, yeah, happens in the 1930s. And then this thing, this thing is passed down through generations, unless somebody just hits the lottery or something, okay? Or just happens to be, be one person who can escape that, uh, you know, and, 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 and bust their ass and, and, and make it to the NBA, okay? And then some people say, oh, well, you know, he, he, America gave him that wonderful chance. He wouldn't be who he was if it weren't for the system. No, he had to bust his tail in order to rescue himself and his family from what the system had done to him, okay, is another way of looking at it. So really, really important stuff here. All right. 
Something else too. Let's, let's talk about some more disparity, okay? In years past, someone convicted of possessing one gram of crack cocaine would receive a sentence 100 times longer than someone possessing one gram of powder cocaine. What is the chemical difference between crack cocaine and powder cocaine that justified this disparity? Answer, there is no significant chemical difference. Crack and powder cocaine are both forms of cocaine. The stark difference in federal sentencing laws for possession of the two forms of the same drug has more to do with media mythology okay, and political pressure than with public safety and health. A 2010 federal law, 2010, that's not that long ago, uh, 10 years, re rectified some, though not all, of the sentencing disparities. And the thing is, the crack cocaine being that which was was in the predominantly black neighborhoods and the and and, and you know in in a lot of poorer neighborhoods and that which people you know on wall street were are snorting okay and people in uh, in the cul-de-sacs in white suburbia okay um you know who are talking about the american dream and everything else and, uh, and looking down on these other people, okay? Uh, both are getting high, both are using an equally dangerous substance, yet, okay, yet the sentence is 100 times longer for someone uh, you know, who's possessing crack cocaine instead of powder cocaine because, because they know uh, with how the racial uh, profile, how it broke down. They understood the demographics and they punished people accordingly, okay? Yeah, that's unjust. All right. And this and that didn't happen in the 1800s. That didn't happen in uh, in the Roman Empire. That happened uh, yesterday. OK, let's talk about the for for profit prison industrial complex. According to the U.S. Bureau of, of Justice Statistics in 2018, uh, two years ago, black males accounted for 34 percent of the total male prison population white males 29% and Hispanic males 24%. And then we're talking about the entire black population, including multiracial African-Americans is only 14%, okay? So if you do the breakdown, you see extreme prejudice and discrimination, okay? And these for-profit prisons making so much money, okay, uh, uh, off of incarcerating our black brothers and sisters, okay? Uh, and that includes, that includes uh, horrible stories of time past of black women being accused of, uh, black men uh, uh, being accused of, of raping white women and everything else. And then later on, uh, there's a different confession or DNA or whatever. There's just, there's been so much injustice, okay? Alabama, Mississippi, uh, so many places where, where this type of, uh, of thing has happened, okay? And so, yes, we're our brother's keeper. Yes, we need to speak up. Yes, we need to, uh, to love each other. And as we've done it unto the least of these that Jesus calls his brothers and sisters, we've done it unto him, okay? And then I look at, I look at this list of, uh, of recent killings, okay? And it's just, it's, just, it's just crazy. And you've seen these, you know, uh, the last one being Jacob Blake with with law enforcement, just just you know seven shots to the back. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, in cold blood, point blank, and there's all kind of excuses, you know. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I'm I, <laughs> I mean, 
I'm a well-decorated, honorably discharged United States Marine. I'm not necessarily proud of that, okay, one way or the other, because I'm a pacifist right now. And I, given it all over again, I'd be, a, you know, a conscientious objector. But I can tell you, even at, uh, at 54 years old, I believe I could have tackled that guy, could have done something to him. I don't believe that I could have a man with his back turned to me at that close of a range. I don't believe that, uh, you know, that, that, that I, I would have to have uh, shot him in the back at close range seven times. That is ridiculous. That is excessive, okay? And then, you know, you look at George Floyd and, and you know, Breonna Taylor, and the, and the list goes on and on. And then we can talk about Ahmaud Arbery, and I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anybody by leaving them out. I just, just for time's sake, just, just added to this list of people who have been, been uh, just murdered, just gunned down, just treated like, like animals. Uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery was hunted down by racist rednecks. The man was hunted. Okay. Um, yeah. And again, get on YouTube. We don't necessarily have more racism. We just have more cameras. Okay. And, uh, and like I said, I've heard these things firsthand, unless you, unless you've been there, or you have friends, uh, you know, don't believe what Fox news tells you about everything. Okay. And someone sitting in white suburbia, if you've not, uh, if you don't really, if you've not been immersed in the black community and, and you don't have, you know, black friends that you've talked to and you know, that, that have encountered this, don't, you know, don't be so quick to judge and don't, you might not be a racist, but don't uh, project your virtues onto somebody else or to everybody else that is your skin color, okay? Everybody isn't like you. So, so please, you know, get that through your head. And also, we all have a level of ignorance. You, the United States is a huge country. And there's stuff, I live in Amish country, you know, of Indiana right now. I'm about two hours from Chicago. Now, if I never left Amish country, I wouldn't know what's going on in Chicago, much less San Francisco, or what's going on in Phoenix, or what's happening in Boston, or New York City, or Tampa. It's a huge country. So unless you really uh, know what's going on unless you've been there unless you've been in somebody's shoes unless you've been you know you know oh man and none of us white people are their skin color so none of us again I know what it is to be unconditionally loved by black people but I don't know what it is to be a black person I don't understand that okay so there is a thing white privilege is a Thing, okay. And again, I'm not ashamed or proud of being white because I had nothing to do with it. Okay. But if I'm, if I'm going to use my whiteness, I'm going to use it. Okay. To reach out to other white people and to let, and to let my friends of color, regardless of what color they are, uh, let them know I stand in solidarity with them. I will not, I will not, okay, uh, uh, you know, contribute to their oppression with my silence. I refuse to do that. It's evil. We, you know, I look at stories like, here we go, with, with crazy things that, that horrible things white people say, you know, when, <laughs> when black people are killed. And uh, this Kyle Rittenhouse, okay, this, this 17-year-old white terrorist, okay, who went hunting with an AR-15 across state lines after beating up a girl, okay? Now, so many people rush to this kid's offense, okay? Now, I'm going to say this. If he's mentally troubled, okay, which he may be, you better extend the same mercy, okay, and that same judgment, okay, to your black, Latino, and Muslim brothers and sisters 
and everybody else who doesn't look like you and everybody who does look like you, okay? Um, we, need to, we need to get this straight. All right, popular white go-to arguments whenever black people are murdered by cops, okay? They always want to talk about black on black crime, okay, versus system on black crime, okay? Let me tell you, black on black crime is a different category than system on black crime, okay? Um, it's like some of y'all, it's like you say, well, some of you are being killed by each other, so what's the big deal about police brutality and a multi-tiered justice system? You know, two wrongs never make a right, okay? And it's not your white business, okay? If you wanna help, you can really help. But if you want to just downplay uh, someone being brutally murdered, okay, because other murders occur, right? That's evil, all right? I'm just gonna flat out say that's evil. And then, and then y'all, some of y'all, Sean Hannity clones, you, you just scream out, Chicago! You know, let me tell you something. I love Chicago. I take, you know, pre-COVID and, and post-COVID, I plan on, man, I've been to Chicago multiple times. It is a beautiful city, okay? Um, and there's so much wonderful things. There's so many beautiful people of all ethnicities, okay? I have precious uh, Muslim brothers and sisters that live in that area. Uh, Palestinians, I have a Palestinian Muslim daughter <laughs> from Gaza that lives in the Chicago area. Tammy and I call her her our daughter. We just, we love her so much. And there's such a connection between us. Um, you know, from the, from the moment we first met, we, we both broke down in tears. Um, because she saw that I, that I, I cared about her and her people. Um, and that's what matters. We got to care about people. We got to care about people. We got to love people. Um, people, people talk, you know, so quit shouting Chicago every time. It's a wonderful city. Yeah, there's, there's crime, but it's not even the highest crime <laughs> in the nation. People just like to, like to, to, bash Chicago. And what does Chicago have? Why are you screaming Chicago? Why are you screaming a city name after a black brother gets shot? Okay? Or after he gets a knee on the neck? Why are you screaming Chicago? What does Chicago have to do with someone who is supposed to uh, be an officer of the peace, puts his knee on someone's neck, okay, for that many minutes, okay, and murders them? All right? And there's no justification. There's no justification. I've seen the evidence. I've seen the video. There's no justification for that cop doing that, okay? That is just being a plain uh, bully, all right, and, and a murderer. Now, what else I hear? A breakdown. Oh, there's a breakdown in the family unit. They need to, these black people need to get their family unit right. Okay, uh, well, let me say this, okay? Who is at least partly responsible, if not mostly responsible, for breaking down the, the family unit? If we're incarcerating all of these fathers and brothers, okay? If we're, we're treating people a certain way, if people, if people are oppressed if, if, with, with redlining and everything else, okay, uh, that we've talked about and more and things that my black brothers and sisters, I know you're listening, you're like, I wish he'd say this or that. And, and I can't say it because I don't know it, okay? But I wish I could, but I'm, I'm doing my absolute best. But you can comment, you can please comment, share, add to it. If I've said something wrong, uh, if, if I've said something imperfectly, and I know I have, uh, add to it, 
uh, you know, please share and, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong about something, okay? Another thing white people like to say whenever, whenever, whenever a black brother or sister is shot, okay? They're gonna bring up uh, Ben Carson, okay? Um, now I love brother Ben. Uh, uh, Dr. Carson, man, pediatric neurosurgeon, what a story. But you know, not everybody had a mom like, uh, like Ben Carson, okay? Uh, not everybody made the same decisions or walked the same walk as Ben Carson, all right? Um, I made so many mistakes as a kid, you know, that, that affected me later in life. And some of them, I mean, you know, when, like me, you, you know, your mom and dad both dead before you're 13 years old, it affects you, you know? But uh, I can't imagine, uh, you know, and I went and lived with, uh, with some wonderful friends of the family that were beautiful people, call them mom and dad to this day. I got brothers and, I got brothers and a sister from, from that relationship. And it's wonderful. So I didn't have it all that, all, all that bad, you know, but, uh, but I do know that, that it affected my academics, okay? Because I was bullied in school and I, and I was just, I just really messed up in the head, okay? And, and, and yeah, a bit suicidal. And that, and that went on through, uh, my early adulthood till I was, you know, when I was 21. And then I had, I, had a, I had a miraculous encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna get into that right now. That's, that's part of my testimony, part of my story, okay? But uh, you know, not everybody has the same chances. Not everybody has the, the same intellect, okay? Uh, and not everybody else makes the right choices, okay? And, and I, I don't hold a 10-year-old responsible uh, for his choices throughout life, okay? Um, Thank the Lord. We can all, you know, we can all better ourselves. We can all learn or, or whatever. All right. But to compare somebody, uh, you know, to, to compare an entire race to one person, okay, who really uh, just elevated through the ranks of, humil of, of humanity. Um, and I say, Dr. Ben Carson is not just an, an awesome, uh, you know, black pediatric neurosurgeon. Uh, he's one of the best. <laughs> ever <laughs> human uh, pediatric neurosurgeons, all right? Um, you look at Jalen Brown, plays for the, the Boston Celtics, okay? Not everybody's gonna be Jalen Brown, okay? Not everybody, there's so many, not everybody makes the NBA, okay? So whoever you want to point to, realize that it's a bigger story than that, and, and uh, well, anybody can make something of themselves. It, it doesn't work that way. Few people, okay? You, you, that people point to NBA stars and get and get big mad about boycotts. Okay, um, yeah, the the system gave that, them that opportunity. This great country, no, they busted again. They busted their ass. Okay, to get out of the situation that this country put them in. That's another way of looking at it. And I think in many cases that's that's the truth. Okay, whether people like to hear that or not. So quit con comparing the entire uh, black population to somebody that you want to, because uh, it's so disingenuous. You just want to parade uh, this one particular person, you know, out in front of everybody and then say, hey, this is, this is who represents, you know, the entire race. Uh, that's like taking, you know, I mean, you're not going to do that with, with you know. You, you wouldn't want somebody just singling out a white person and say, well, because, uh, because Einstein was this or whatever, then everybody ought to be an Einstein. Or because, you know, Tom Brady could achieve this, anybody can be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. It doesn't work that way, 
okay? You can't be anything you want to be. There are, there are certain cards dealt to all of us, okay? And there, and there are certain limitations that we have. So yes, we can make the most of it, but it, it helps making the most of it when the system isn't rigged against you in the first place, okay? So that's what I'm saying about that. All right. Now, you know, at this point, and I'm going to close with this, but, uh, and this is a sad scenario. This is why we need to love each other. We need to be our brother's keeper. We need to say Black Lives Matter, okay? Because uh, we got two clowns running for president. One whose crime bill of 1994 was responsible for the mass incarceration of people of color, while the other guy has nothing more to say than... Uh, it was a tragic accident, you know, a tragic incident, rather. And, and then he'll scream after that, law and order, every time a black person is murdered by a police officer. So there's got to be empathy. There's got to be compassion. And it's got to be real, not just in, during election season, okay? And not just to pander, but this thing's got to be real. That's why I speak for, I'm, I'm for, for the people who wear the slogan, Black Lives Matter or give you a hashtag, Black Lives Matter. Stop coming at us, We're, uh, uh, that, that all of us are Marxists, that all of us are socialists, that all of us are this or that. I get called a Democrat all the time. I'd never registered Democrat one time in my life. I'm an independent. <laughs> Back along, I, I was a registered Republican, okay? Um, but I don't belong to any political party. So people call me things sometimes, uh, you know, to some progressives, I'm too conservative to, uh, on a lot of positions. And to some conservatives, I'm too progressive. I refuse to be boxed in, okay? And when I see Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter t-shirts, slogans, when I see people of all colors walking in the streets saying Black Lives Matter, okay? And I'm talking about without looting, without burning, but I'm, uh, I'm proud of you, especially the young people, this generation who has, uh, who's marched in the streets, okay? Uh, hasn't done the wrong thing, okay? Uh, and and has, has peacefully protested and just to show their solidarity with their fellow human beings. Um, there's so much more that I could say, but I feel like I need to wrap this up. It was said so in such an incomplete fashion. And again, I know that there are others who could articulate this much better. But instead of just hearing my words, please hear my heart. And God bless you. I love you so much. And, uh, and I stand with you. Black lives matter. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share with your family, friends, and those who have yet to discover their awesomeness and yours. You can also check us out at lovereimagine.org. Again, no cows were harmed during the recording of this episode. <laughs>